From the crossroads of America in the Hoosier state of Indiana, this is Get In, the podcast focused on the unfolding stories and extraordinary innovations happening right now in the heartland. I'm Matt Hunkler, CEO at Powder Keg, and I will be one of your hosts for today's conversation. I'm joined in studio by co-host Christopher Tofe Day, CEO at Elevate Ventures. On the show today is Jason Tenenhouse, co-founder and executive director at Matchbox Studios, and Amanda Findlay, managing director and acceleration lead at Matchbox Studios. You look at obstacles as like opportunities, right? So you're shipping the water, you're trying to get to an island, you have a big iceberg in your way, you could be like, with me, I can't get there, there's an iceberg, and you hit mental block. Or you can be like, there's an iceberg, now I could go left or I could go right. I've got options. I've got two different directions now. Amanda, Jason, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, right on. Thanks for having us. Thanks. It's going to be a blast. Where is Matchbox Studios? Uh, Lafayette, downtown Lafayette, Indiana. Downtown Lafayette, Indiana. I knew that, that answer, but I wanted to mm-hmm. hear it directly from you. You know what I just heard recently? Is mean? that Lafayette is the number one best city in America for first-time jobs for college students? Oh, yeah, cool. I saw yeah. that report too, yeah. yeah. It's pretty amazing. That's awesome. That's yeah. a good statistic. A lot of groundwork laid by Matchbox here. What year did Matchbox start? 2014 is when it opened its doors. I remember that. I remember that because <laughs> we we were running Verge meetups yep. out of a church on campus prior to Matchbox, yep. and then Matchbox became the permanent home for Verge, La- Greater Lafayette. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so Toph and I are both from West Lafayette. For those in the show who are, maybe this is your first episode. I know we have a lot of uh, multiple time listeners. So we understand. Matt and his friends burned down our barn at our high school. That's all I want to say. But but that's oh, what you're gosh. supposed to do. I mean, I Friendly rivalry. They day. do it every year. We, we only spray painted it. But I believe someone eventually burned it. There down. might have been some history there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Well, statute of limitations has run out. There certainly oh, yeah. was not the innovation community that there is today when I was growing up in West Lafayette. And I'm so grateful that exists today. And today I would love to just talk a little bit about how that came to be, but also some of just your own personal backgrounds, because you brought a lot of really interesting experiences to what you built at Matchbox and what you built in the innovation community there. Jason, you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you made your way into the crazy world of innovation and the Midwest? Yeah, I just backed into it is the best way to describe it. I've never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I don't necessarily love the label even of entrepreneur. To, in my mind, why I, is that? I, I don't know. It comes with a lot of expectations and things these days. And I've also never built a thing to have a thing, right? So I don't consider myself really an entrepreneur. To me, it's more like you see an area of low yield or problem or something that's suboptimal of the way it should be that kind of feels like it's just not working as well as it should. And I want to fix that thing. It just feels like a problem that needs fixed, right? No different than walking around and seeing somebody missing the trash can and and throwing trash on the ground and you want to pick it up. But if you want to keep it picked up, so to speak, in a sustainable way, you have to build a business model around that so it can continue to be fixed. And that's what other people call entrepreneurship. But to me, it's more about problem solving or trying to just improve things around me. Your first business, was that Gray House? I'd started, I'd been hustling since high school. Actually, you know what? My very first business, I don't know if, I don't know if I've told you this story, but I'm so excited. when I was an undergrad at Purdue, the women's basketball team won the national championship. I and remember that. Remember that? The Gabisas were on that team. Yeah. Yeah. And they just, people, the campus went crazy. Everybody ran out of their apartments and they were rioting in the streets and lighting couches on fire and everything else. <laughs> and I participated for 20 minutes and then I ran to Walmart and I bought a bunch of t-shirts and iron-ons 
And I made shirts that said, I rioted in the streets when the women's basketball, pretty women's basketball team won the national championship. Oh, wow. And That's I awesome. made a couple thousand dollars worth of shirt sales that evening before. That's the awesome. That's was, so great. Know, one of my first. Videos. That's an entrepreneur. I was hustling. <laughs> it just seemed like an opportunity. Do you still have one of those shirts? I might somewhere. I don't know for sure. Um, I think we might need to see if there's one on eBay. Maybe we could do a reprint. Yeah, we could do a reprint. I was definitely like still in grade school, so I didn't ride in the streets, but I would still like a (laughs) t-shirt. I'd like to tell people I did. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I was in junior high. I definitely had tickets. I went to a lot of those games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were great. They were great this year, so it was fun. Yeah, how about you, Amanda? What was like your early career? I know you had a journalism major. Were you, was innovation and ecosystem building on your radar at all? No, (laughs) what an accident. No, I, my high school calculus teacher suggested a public relations degree for me, which means I wasn't very good at calculus, I think. So journalism and PR. And I decided pretty early that I wanted to go the nonprofit route. That meant something to me and that was important to me, but it started in women's health. A relocation to Lafayette landed me in the Purdue Research Park and then I was surrounded by it and it was too late. Where was the relocation from? Just, I worked in Greensburg, Indiana, but I grew up southeast of Indianapolis. Got it. How did you two meet? That's an interesting story. I worked in with entrepreneurs in the innovation kind of area, the edge of campus, post-graduation. And Amanda was working with the foundry at the time. And so we'd see each other at events and things like that, I think, in retrospect. But I ended up working with a lot of first-time entrepreneurs that were, how do I say this? They, I began work with them and at some point they would end up working with the university and I would lose touch with them. And found out years later after we got an opportunity to connect that Amanda was the man on the inside at Purdue that was (laughs) turning those things into something else. And I knew that was happening somewhere by someone, but I didn't know who. And then we found out later we'd worked with a lot of the same startups over the years. Yeah, I was privy to it. I think one day we were looking at like logos each designed for yeah. startups yeah. in our I ecosystem. And we're like, we both worked on that one. Yeah. And he's they brought me your draft and told me to make it better. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's a much better go. designer. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. How did, what was your background in, in design, Jason? Cause I, I remember a lot of the early stuff that you worked on. Yeah. Was just so cool. Yeah. So you know, I graduated with, with an industrial design degree and I went into the toy industry. So I, this was in like the boy 2000s, early 2000s. And I worked on a bunch of different products for a few different companies but things like you might recognize like Vacman, the Illuminator glow in the dark football. I did a bunch of toy. You uh, worked on the Illuminator. I know, you know that's Illuminator? what I wanted to have happen. You got to lead with that. <laughs> Do you know the Illuminator? <laughs> yeah, of course so, I know okay, the Illuminator. Funny, I'll tell you a quick. Am I the outcast if I don't know the Illuminator? It's I just mean, a I, Nerf I, football that has lights in it, right? I, I think it's it not just a big deal. Right it's age, not a big deal. You know, it was just that. Here's age the thing like about the Illuminator. I'll tell you a funny story. I designed the Illuminator, and it was. I worked in R&D in charge of new product concepts. So I was the guy with the blank piece of paper at the start of a 250-person, 12-month cycle for all of the product that was put out. And so it was very high volume and ideation, a couple hundred ideas a day probably. Wow. And so one of those was the Illuminator, and I thought it was cool, and everybody loved it. got super fast-tracked through production, and we sold a ton of them. And I never really played with one. I just designed it because I thought it sounded cool. Years later, I had one, and I went back to college, back to Purdue, and I got together with a bunch of buddies I went to school with, and we decided to play night football with this thing terrible product guys terrible <laughs> you can't see anything except the glowing football flying around of course everyone's diving at the glowing football and you're getting clotheslined in the dark you have no idea it was, it was not fun to play with and i felt terrible for selling so many of them this is hysterical but, um so i did that but then i did a bunch of toys for uh, movies so i did uh, the toys for the godzilla with matthew broderick i did the whole toy line for that oh cool independence day with will smith those aliens by the way were the first product with a um live 
a microchip on the shelves that would activate when you walked by where the heads would open and they would scream at you. Dude, right. I remember. Now you walk through the aisle and it's like everything's talking to you. Right. And so I'm sorry about that. But that was the first one in Penn State. The Iron Giant and Mars Attacks, Ray Guns, and a bunch of 2000s movies, The Mummy. That's so cool. That's what I did early on in my career. I think That's those amazing. are 90s movies. I think sometimes you oh, forget geez. that there's a 10-year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's just pretend they're 2000s. These are like my core memories. I remember playing with those Independence yeah. Day action figures. Yeah, that's cool. Totally. Totally. I never had any of the cool stuff because we didn't have a ton of money for toys and stuff. Mm-hmm. But all my friends, oh, he has the Illuminator. Let's yeah, make sure cool. we invite Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and you That's got to good. see them on the shelves, right? Ex- yeah. Absolutely. I totally walked by those. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of ideas a day. Yeah. How, how do you come up with hundreds of ideas a day? I don't know in retrospect how that <laughs> I happened. know. I know There's how he a, does it. But what's what? the secret? I'm just kidding. I just know that he still does it. There's just not like toys on the other side now. Now it's just me <laughs> frantically scribbling down notes and thinking like, oh my God, are we going to do all this? We have 200 new things we're going to do today. That's funny. He, when actually. he stands up during a meeting and grabs a whiteboard marker, I'm like, crap. Oh shit, here it goes. <laughs> Over. Um, it was my next three months. <laughs> it's a good question, man. There's a lot of techniques and I sometimes do lectures on this even and, and we're not going to go into all that here on this podcast, but... The simplest way to explain it, I think, is you look at obstacles as like opportunities, right? So you're shipping the water, you're trying to get to an island, you have a big iceberg in your way, you could be like, woe is me, I can't get there, there's an iceberg, and you hit mental block. Or you can be like, there's an iceberg, now I could go left or I could go right, I've got options, I've got two different directions now. So obstacles are opportunities with the right kind of energy, with the right kind of optimism, it keeps you from hitting the block, I think. Yeah. One of the things that stands out to me is that you've got this duality of like, idea guy and like person who's like harnessing that and trying to figure out how to channel the best of the ideas and actually make stuff happen. Is that something that you see in a lot of the startups that you work with? Like hopefully that, that there's the idea more of an idea person and then like more of an operator type person. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to work with Amanda. And I think there are two skill sets really do complement one another and have built matchbooks into what it is. But it doesn't always look like the way you're describing it. I mean, I you think know. you're being nice. It's okay. It does. I think a lot of times you'll throw the wacky thing out initially and maybe maybe my 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 voice gets in there eventually. I don't think any I don't you're not taking all the credit for the things. It's okay. Yeah, well, but but here's, but here's <laughs> He's very conscientious though. about this. I think he's I think I've probably made We worked together for a while. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. also have a third person on our team, Juliana Casavan, who I've worked with in various capacities for the last 15 years. And she, I think she even set out in even like further ways because she's very like action oriented and let's lay out the next steps. Mm. For the listeners, describe real quick what Matchbox does. Like what would be a typical, if there is a typical, maybe it's not a typical, but (laughs) but what does kind of Matchbox do high level? Yeah. So it it started as a co-working studio Mm -hmm. nine years ago. Um, We just celebrated our ninth birthday. I didn't join the team until they'd been open for a year. So I let you guys like put together all the furniture and do all the construction (laughs) stuff. And then I just strolled in whistling. Build the Ikea desk. Yeah. Yeah. And just started building community. So you, you did all the hard stuff. You laid all the groundwork and I just got to come in and do the fun things. But initially for the first five years, maybe a little bit longer, it was a co-working studio. It was just a space for people to work. These days, it is a co-working space where we're, we're working hard to build community and give people connectivity and those sorts of things. An acceleration studio with a suite of acceleration courses that we're running for different kinds of founders and a makerspace. And where is it? It's in Lafayette or in West Lafayette, Lafayette? Indiana. Yeah, downtown Lafayette. Downtown um, Lafayette. Right between the hotel. There's only one downtown and the library. Yeah. 
I spent a lot of time in that library doing it. It's a good library. Yeah. 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 It's a yeah. public library. That's right. And that, yeah. that cool, like, Crown Historic gas station is right out front, which is the first thing that I fell in love with that when is, I moved to Lafayette. Cool. I was like, look at this little mm-hmm. gem. And now I get to work, like, right behind it every day. It's pretty cool. Where do the entrepreneurs come from? Do they oh come gosh. from Purdue? Do they come from other cities? Do they move in for three months and, and parachute back out? Do they come and stay? All those things. All those things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, our youngest member, I think, is 17. Our oldest is, I think, 84 or something. They're all over the place, right? What's that guy doing? Oh, my <laughs> That's God. That's amazing. I mean, and some cool stuff, actually. Yeah. So, and both of them are doing pretty cool stuff. Cooler almost than the average person sometimes. But also, it is uh, all different sectors. Last time we measured, there were 19 different sectors measured. And the biggest one by far was other, right? Mm-hmm. So they're all over the place in stage and background. Uh, they come from Purdue. About half come from the um, west side of the river and half come from the east side of the river. But sometimes campus, sometimes the community, industry, moonlighting, day jobs. Yeah. Surrounding communities, all, too. All like we've got people yeah. coming in from all yeah. around the county. Yeah, we cast a wide net, and uh, we love that. We love somebody sitting at the coffee bar who's doing their first startup ever and somebody who's post raise who's just now execution phase and outsourcing their sales team and they're hanging out having coffee and talking about things there's some really neat things that are able to come when you mix everybody like that together absolutely and i do want to bring it back to this idea guy concept because i feel like i have talked to so many startups where it's like clear that they're and it doesn't have to be a guy right it's just that's the tropey phrase but the idea person at a startup almost like has to have this counterbalance and i've experienced and worked with startups that didn't have the counterbalance and the best metaphor i ever heard about this is like the idea person is like the kite but like the balancing like operator is a string like Mm. a kite doesn't get any lift if you don't have a string to like move it in a direction and find the wind Mm -hmm. and i've seen so many startups that are just like the kite like trying to do something but they're moving in all different directions and can't actually get lift off and that's what I was going to say a moment ago, too. I, it, to me, it's not quite as straightforward as like ideas and execution. Yeah. I think, yes, Amanda is as excellent at those things and runs a whole team that is excellent at those things. But the thing that I think is mo- has been most valuable is the catching wind is about people. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like Jason has some crazy idea and then walks out of the room and says, go do that, right? It's not like that. It's here's the concept and here's like the goal of what we're trying to accomplish. But it doesn't mean anything, even well executed, it doesn't mean anything until you engage with like, humans and culture and community and relationships and you build this whole like rich fabric that executes as it goes and the idea rarely ends up being similar to the original ideas just enough to get going and then people like Amanda come along and like connect with people and help them feel like heard and seen and welcomed into the community the catching wind at Matchbox has always been about building life around the ideas and that's what I really think has been most valuable mm-hmm. I do like the humans yeah, yeah I, I do, do the human parts <laughs> yeah. What were some of those things you did in that first year that you were there, Amanda? Because that's so important. Those first couple of years of any co-working or innovation space, any community, to get that to actually take off takes a lot. This is fun. Can I just be really honest? Yeah, I think I've probably heard it before. Okay, so Matchbox (laughs) has three co-founders. Jason worked with Dennis Carson, the city of Lafayette, and Michael Berger, who was at Del Mar and is now at Little Engine Ventures. But I came in and it's these three guys and they're like, here's 12,000 square foot and 100 people. And that's where we keep the dishwasher tabs. And I was like, shit. (laughs) And I'd only lived in Lafayette, I think, at that point for maybe five years. So I was still getting it. Like I was still building my personal community in that area. And I think our membership doubled by the end of the first year. And I think 
people is my wheelhouse. Yeah. People is my wheelhouse. That's <laughs> a bad sentence, but maybe my new catchphrase. <laughs> I like it. Building community was easy for me. And I think after the first year, you guys were like, good job. You these I think people feel connected. They feel like they know each other. They're finding the resources that they need amongst themselves with a little bit of like support and facilitation. And I was like, thank you guys so much. And then in year two, they were like, all right, now we've got these like other projects that we want to do. And they're like, you have to stop talking to the people. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I think my second performance review, they were like, it's, you're talking too much. You're not turning in enough work. And so I think we've slowly had to figure out how to do both. Because also, as the membership grew, one person, one person trying to connect a few hundred people is impossible. I can't, I can't stay connected to all of these people. So now we have a team and they're all part of this community and getting to know what our members are good at and what they need and what they're looking for. And like on a startup level, but like all the way down to like, they need a dog sitter. Yeah. Like we're, I think we're, who do you spend more time work with than the people you work with? Like no one. Yeah. That's like our core communities as adult human beings. I've been in weddings. I've <laughs> house sat, I've dog sat, I've babysat. It's mm -hmm. just a cool community. And I think people feel welcome there. Digging in and, and relating with people on a personal level. Yeah. And after they'll tell me about those things, they'll tell me about their big ideas. They'll tell me about the business they've always wanted to start. And then yeah. I can say, what are you waiting for? Let's do that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Are you, are you all familiar with Dunbar's number, that, mm -hmm. that phrase? I think you told me about that. I think you taught yeah. me this. Tell, yeah. us, tell us about Dunbar's number. Do you think that was a, a real thing with Matchbox as you were scaling it? Oh, yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah, I think so. And uh, even the, now. The number's 150, right? Uh, boy, I can't remember. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I so. Think, I think so. Are you familiar with Dunbar? I'm not. Do you want to explain it? You probably explain it better than me. I mean, you just go through different phases. The, the way that plays out at Matchbox, I'll say, is we have days when you walk in and the whole place feels a library and nobody's like comfortable talking and connecting with one another. And then you hit you have a few more people in the space and you hit something like, I don't know, maybe a coffee shop, right? Where it's you're comfortable talking and connecting and it just your social contract changes without even thinking about it. And then you hit, we've got another number, right? You've got a certain number of people in and it's, I don't know, maybe a concert or a, a basketball game or something. And then some people are starting to self-select out. They're stealing away to the corners and finding quiet places to work. So the vibe in the place changes as you grow through each of these different densities in the space. And Dunbar's, I think, is in reference to, it's not necessarily those that are like present physically. It is mm -hmm. just like operationally, how yeah. you grow through different stages. And that's been true for us too. So how we operate and run and manage we, we try to have no, no rules or very few rules, no signs in the space. We have so many rules. That's so funny. I know, but <laughs> we do, but they're not like, I never want, I, I don't just want don't apply to, to Jason. Yeah, right, I'm, <laughs> I'm the muscle, I think. I'm the mean parent. Yeah. Man, it's a heavy. <laughs> yeah. Why, why, like a no signs rule where like we ask occasionally, but I don't want a bunch of like, here's go here and don't do this and do this. And because the people in the space are the ones that are really driving the culture and yeah. it's not like a top down thing. And so uh, early on, like, how do we organize a community like this? You manage the different growing sizes that we have, but still give them autonomy and make it feel like it's their space. And so instead of a rule book, originally, we just had a manifesto. Love and that. the manifesto had 20, 25 different things. And if you adhered to the mores of the manifesto, you would fit into the culture. And that way, it doesn't have to be like, like number one at the time when I first wrote it was don't be a jerk. And in parentheses, it was like, I think we all know what that looks like. And like that covers like 80% of the yeah. problems, right? Yeah. Do you remember that I rewrote that yes, rule? I yeah. Do you remember why? <laughs> no, I don't remember why. <laughs> some people didn't know what that because meant. some people don't know what that means. I don't think we can assume that everyone knows what yeah, it means to not sure. be a jerk and not in any kind of like harsh way, but 
a lot of people who are co-working are doing it for the first time. And if you haven't shared an office with people in that capacity, mm -hmm. I saw people doing things that felt a little jerkish, but they were not meaning to. Like their yeah. intentions were good, but they've never taken a conference call in the middle of a like concrete and glass garage before. Yeah. So all of a sudden like sound is bouncing and I don't want that mm -hmm. person to feel bad for misstepping. Yeah. No, that's true. It's it, and don't it, be a jerk. Amanda will tell you what this looks like. <laughs> also, <laughs> Is that how you rewrote it? Hilarious. No, not at all. Not no, at all. In a just, just a, it's shared. Be kind. Yeah. yeah. Right. Be mindful. Be kind. Yeah. yeah. And, and so like that's the whole idea of how we've always tried to manage the community there. And there has to be some rules and some bookends and all of that, of course. Sure. But we don't want to feel like that in the space when people feel some ownership and community has taken ebbs and flows over the years and we have to let it be that quick break from our normal programming i have erica schweier coo from elevate ventures here in the studio today erica thanks for being here yeah thanks for having me and you're going to tell us a little bit about this rally innovation conference that's coming up yep so it's the largest cross-sector innovation conference in the world we're going to feature six innovation studios so think hard tech software sports tech ag and food healthcare, and entrepreneurship is going to be our catch-all i love that so tell me what is who's it for yeah, it's for innovators, entrepreneurs, investors. Honestly, anybody probably listening to this podcast. And it's going to be a multi-day thing that's multi -day. happening in downtown Indianapolis. Yep. People coming in from all over the country and maybe even all over the world to be here. That's our hope. Yep. And the dates are actually August 29th to the 31st. Perfect. And if people want to find out more information about speakers, tickets, things like that, where can they go? Yeah. So they just go to rallyinnovation.com and sign up for communications. And they can also get their tickets. I love it. You heard it here. Rallyinnovation.com. We'll see, see you there. there. Matchbox has been at it for 10 years, almost, roughly, right? Don't round up. You'll take all the wind out of the 10-year anniversary next oh, year. Yeah. Can I be invited Nine. to the party? Nine. It's going to be a party. Yes. Yeah. You want, are you going to come? Hell yeah. <laughs> come on. Am I invited? I want to come. Yes. Come. That's awesome. Let's get a bus. We yeah. get the coolest. Back to the motherland. We'll get back up to the Lafayette. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Do a tour while you're there. Just stay for a week. Absolutely. Yeah. Done Creek. deal. Let's do it. You can uh, sleep at the co-working Any Airbnbs in Buck Creek? Maybe not. <laughs> so I'm curious. So from what kind of shifts or trends yeah. have you seen people coming into the space? What kinds of things are they? I know you've got all kinds of sectors that people are doing, but are there any high level trends and shifts in what people are focused on with what they want to start up? But in all, And then also from an individual side, like any trends in what people are fearful of or like what really keeps them up? Like any, what kind of shifts have you seen? One thing that's been consistent uh, that comes to mind is whenever the, the job market or the economy drops down a bit, entrepreneurship always goes mm -hmm. up a bit. And that's always been really good for us. When business is going really well, we get a lot of remote workers and they were part of our community. When the business community isn't providing a lot, then we get a lot of entrepreneurs trying to start new things or side hustles. That's been a consistent trend for us at least. Where are we right now in, in terms of what you're seeing on the ground? Oh man, pretty. I feel like we're pretty balanced right That's now. Balanced right we now. the and in, in a post 2020 world, a lot of our members stayed employed. They were already working remotely. The remote workers were yeah. there. They continued operationally as normal, and they stuck around. But I think right now, I think we're seeing a lot more small business entrepreneurship in Lafayette than we have before. And when you say small business, you mean a look like a trampoline park or a, something. What, something like that? That sounds fun. You, when you come back up, maybe you guys can start another trampoline park. Uh, some of that, yeah. Uh, single operator, uh, some brick and mortar stuff, our main streets, getting yeah. like some revitalization stuff happening. And uh, we're definitely seeing that. We're also seeing that in our surrounding counties too. And we've been able to work with those entrepreneurs a little yeah. bit more in the last year too. You know, I would say, you know, the team that we pulled together are people that are highly skilled, highly experienced, capable of making a big impact out there in the for-profit sector. But they are people that have hearts to make a difference in their community. 
And you put a group of people like that together and you work together for enough years, you just start evolving into impact, right? And so we build all these little programs. We've got all these little things and some of them are on purpose and some of them are just because of who the team is and, and trying to support the entrepreneurs that maybe are a little disenfranchised or don't have as quite as good of an opportunity has evolved into a lot of what we do these days. And it's really rewarding to see and it's really interesting piece of it. Yes, the high tech stuff still happens and the high growth innovation things are always there in the in the woodwork, but but that's been neat to see that evolution over the years. And I think it takes all those team. types of businesses to make an ecosystem go. One hundred percent. I don't feel also the uh, Dan Hanrahan did a LinkedIn post that just like really hit me hard. And this is probably six months ago or so. Founder of Sixter, and and now Halster. Yeah, and the post was I'm going to paraphrase, but it was basically like, why do we tech people? go start these businesses that are so hard. They take so much money. It's so competitive. And we have all these fancy acronyms for metrics. And you're like, look, it's just stressful, right? And like, why don't we go start good old solid businesses that drive margin and a cash flow? And I'm like, that's actually a really good question. <laughs> yeah. Solving problems with the tools you have though, yeah. right? Like right? Just like, if you're back to the sol- the problem solving narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a friend who's very wealthy. I talk to him all the time about investing in businesses. He's like, why would I invest in a business when I can just buy land? Yeah. It's just so much easier for me. And I've almost guaranteed appreciate an asset off of land. I'm just yeah. going to keep buying land. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's a good argument. That's for some way people, to go. Right? Yeah. yeah. Boring though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boring, boring is sometimes really fun. You're right. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Well, tell me a, a little bit more about those kind of scaling years. As you got in, you're building the community at Matchbox. You're starting to see some companies take off, maybe starting to see some companies fail and fold. How do you manage that kind of change where you start to see these graduations of different members and maybe some move, maybe new people are moving in? A lot, a lot can happen in those early years of a ecosystem. Yeah, so maybe I, if it's okay if I answer a bit philosophically and then please share your piece there. I was a Boy Scout when I was little, just for a couple of years. Yeah. And I learned a thing I think about all the time and someone taught me how to build a fire. And the way they explained it to me was think of the fire as like a mouth and the flames as like tongues. And wherever the biggest tongues are is where you want to put the wood, put the food. You just keep feeding the tongues that are sticking up. And That's you gross. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to look at a fire the same way. That sounded gross. <laughs> this is like a formative memory in my life. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So, yeah, we, that's how I've always learned. I think about it all the time. So th- this is no different than, like, the pivots of a startup, right? And so we think of Matchbox as a startup still, and we try to make pivots. We try to experiment. Every, everything is an experiment, right? Nothing is a long-term program and and so yes it has been a continuous process of trying to look at where those opportunities are and they're not always obvious they're not always things that we thought and we have pivoted a bunch over the years so that's what were some of the bigger tongues that you fed oh gross i can't you gotta be on record feeding the tongues amanda i know i'm gonna make a baby bird it's not fire anymore it's baby birds it's so much cuter yeah gotta feed the bigger baby birds it doesn't seem very nice. Now I'm worried about the little baby birds. <laughs> That's fair. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this too, but I mm-hmm. like one of those, for example, that comes to mind is, is like I was saying, there was a, a focus on high tech initially exclusively, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where there's a lot of opportunity. And also there were existing resources in the community for small business. And we focused there, but then we started looking at all of these other needs that were around us and thought a lot of the advice in the early stages translates. There's a lot of overlap in those two worlds. 
in the early stages. So we started exploring those kind of things. That was a pivot for us. Mm. We didn't, like Amanda said, we didn't have an accelerator at all when we first opened our doors. We would just coach people one off that mm-hmm. came to us. And so we had to build a system to solve that. That was another interesting one we didn't expect. I think overall, the impact has been bigger than, I'll admit, bigger than I thought it would be. And so that also, in its own way, has been a pivot, the size and longevity of what we've done, not what we were expecting. Yeah, I think all of our early members, all of our fir- like first community folks, some of them are still around, which is the coolest. I love mm-hmm. that. They're the OGs. But they came from like your personal networks, the co-founders' personal networks. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of tech in that group initially, a lot of software and a lot of tech. And uh, it did need to be rounded out. But I think rounding it out is what mm-hmm. made it a little bit more magical. Totally. Yeah, I remember the mayor asked me when we, right before we opened our doors, how many people would we have at the end of the first year? And I said 25 because I knew 25 people that I could call and get to come there if I had to. So I was sandbagging at 25. Of course. Uh, but it ended up being over 100 that first year. And it's just amazing. Are you ready to transform your brand with award-winning video content that captures your vision and connects with your audience? Check out Alchemy, the experts at building your brand using video. From story-driven social media snippets that leave a lasting impression to compelling full-length documentaries, they have got the expertise to take your brand to the next level. Alchemy is actually our video partner here on Get In, and they do amazing work. All the videos across social, uh, across YouTube, all that is done by Alchemy, and, and they're an amazing partner to work with. Reach out to me, Nate, at Powderkeg, or check out alchemyfilmco.com to get connected with Alden and his team. They will take care of all of your video needs. What are some of your favorite, like, what are some of the success stories that pop out? You're like, or things you never expected. Yeah. I like to, can I talk about Nishant? Is that okay? Sure. I like to talk about Nishant because he taught me to never tell someone that their idea is bad. So he was a, he was an undergrad student and he was coming to like startup weekends and meetups and things. And sometimes you see an undergrad and they've caught it and you don't know what it's going to be, like what the thing that they like stick with is going to be, but it's going to be something like mm-hmm. they'll get to it eventually. He was that he like won two startup weekends, like at every Verge event. He was just like, he was in it. And I was sitting at the coffee bar one day and he was like, I have this idea for a machine that does your laundry for you because laundry sucks. And I was like, you're wrong. Laundry doesn't suck. Laundry smells good and it's warm. It's the best chore. (laughs) (laughs) I was wrong. So Nishant built Presso and now it's this fully automated vending machine for dry cleaning. And he's like crushing it in the live entertainment industry and like theaters can't get enough of these things because they have multiple shows a day and costumes have to be cleaned between shows. So that yeah. And I, I know he's in other markets now. but I don't think I've heard of Presso. So what does Presso do? So cool. It's like a vending machine sized system and it's a dry cleaning, fully automated dry cleaning. Putting Folding and everything? So it washes, dries. It's not going to fold for you. It's going to come out on the hanger you put it in on. That would be cool though. Oh, I got yeah. you. That's you really cool. It's not like wash and fold. Yeah. It's like dry cleaning. I got you. I got to get yeah. my suit ready for yeah. Mm-hmm. So his That's first prototype cool. he built, or maybe it was a set. First or second prototype was built in our makerspace and it was like mostly zip ties. This thing was mostly zip ties and an old server rack and a couple blow yeah. dryers. Yeah, we spent hours. To, like he'd never used an electric drill before. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we bought him that server rack. Matchbox paid yeah, for yeah. that server rack for him to build his first prototype. And like he has hours with this guy. And we just thought, just never would have guessed, right? What happened? Yeah. So that those that are is the, awesome. He did such a good job, stores. though. Like he wheeled this giant thing into like office lobbies and gyms and did product testing and talked to his customers. Like he did all the things because he had that. He had the bug. That's the one thing I've learned from community building is it's like 
I'm pretty bad at picking the horse. Oh you know? yeah. But it's all about the jockey. Right? It is. It's so totally. true. It's just like, totally. it's not about the business. It's, is this person going to figure something out? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's I, I think a, a, that's a winner. I think a lot of times people think, gosh, to be an entrepreneur, you got to be a mathematician or this, that, and the other. And uh, there's multiple studies that have been done, but the, the two words that keep coming up are just simple grit and creativity. Yeah. So true, right? It, and everybody reads the headlines of some massive success and the backstory never gets talked about, right? Yeah. The Just the road of failures and, and, and those white knuckle moments and the zip ties, yeah. right? It's do you amazing. Think you can train grit or creativity. Is that something that you do in your accelerator? I think you can foster it. You know what I mean? How? Like, I think it can be buried, but someone can have it. They probably either have it or they don't, but I think it can be buried. Mm. Maybe, maybe they don't like know they have it, to your point. Right? Or yeah. not being encouraged to, yeah, yeah. to act on it. Those I know a lot of people. didn't get fed. Yes, no one, <laughs> sorry, no one set their tongues on fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's hysterical. And working initially in my career in like a highly, like a high volume creative space, I do think you can teach creativity. Like I am a firm believer in being able to teach just about anybody who cares to work at it. Creativity, just like you teach them how to shoot basketballs. Right. Mm -hmm. Tell me, tell me how that is with creativity. Cause I know how to train someone to shoot a basketball, but I don't think I know how to train someone. It's just to be a, creative. It's a lot of things, right? You take reps, like you literally have to take reps at it and okay. like practice. Right. What would a rep look like? I used to do exercises where I would like, I'd ride the, I'd ride the train in the morning. And so I'd have a white piece of paper in front or pad in front of me. And I would just look up and whatever my eyes fell on out the window, I would build a product based on that. And I'd give myself like two minutes to come up with the idea and sketch it out. Mm. Flip to the next page, look down, look up, whatever my eyes fell on, do it again and again on the way to work. Wow. Uh, or watching TV, I'd sit down, turn it on. I'd give myself like 30 seconds to come up with an idea whenever what hap was happening on that channel. Give myself two minutes to build it, next channel. And I'd go until I got around to the first channel. And I didn't have very much TV at the time. So it didn't take me that long. And um, now I'm like, remember channels. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like worn out. And so that's reps, for example. There's a lot of techniques. Like I said, I use probably a dozen different like actual techniques. There's some pretty crazy ones out there. Let's hear the craziest. Do you, yeah. Do you want to set up a meeting to design your course on teaching creativity? Yeah, we yeah. should probably. Right. We should I'll sign up. I'll teachable. help you design it. And then I'll Thanks. sign up That'd for be great. it. Yeah. One, of the, one of the craziest ones was there is, and this isn't mine. This was someone else that used to do this. But this, this designer would push his lounge chair onto his wooden floor of his kitchen and grab a spoon in his hand and sit in that chair until he fell asleep. And when he fell asleep, his hand would loosen, drop the spoon, hit the floor, wake him up, and he would immediately come up with some idea that was on the top of his mind. And he'd fall back asleep, grab the spoon, same thing again and again. And what he was doing was accessing these alpha waves where you're half awake and half asleep and you're less inhibited by preconceptions of how to do something. You sit down and design a product, your first hundred ideas are going to be all the obvious things that everybody else is going to think of. And you can't avoid that. You have to, I had a friend that used to call it on knocking that stuff off the front of the shelf. Mm. You got to draw them out and push them to the side and draw them out and push them to the side and get all the, get a hundred of them out of the way. And then you finally, it's getting hard and that's where it gets good. And you've gotten to the back of the shelf through all the junk, you know? And so it takes that kind of discipline. This, I, I, so this is like, I just got chills because I, so I will lay in bed at night in, in my brain. And I feel like I'm not actually fully conscious, but I'm definitely thinking and these thoughts will come up and then I will start building something, some crazy idea. And it's brilliant. The problem is sometimes I wake up in the morning. I'm like, that was dumb. Sure. <laughs> but, but to get into actually just writing it down right there, cause it's some of the stuff that we're involved in now. And that's awesome. So it's like a real thing maybe, where these alpha waves, I'd never heard that term. Maybe our alarm clocks should have a little recording button on them. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great idea. 
I definitely do that. I try to record my dreams and uh, do mm -hmm. dream analysis. It's really sure. like tapping into the unconscious or the yeah. subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a startup emerging, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Decoder. Shout out to Decoder. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> shout we'll, him we'll out. get, we'll get well. on here to mm -hmm. talk about that at some point. But it, it, it's fascinating just the parallels between what that exercise that you're talking about. There's like almost an exact parallel in songwriting, which was a hobby I kind of picked up during the pandemic. I always did it when I was a kid, but I fed the flame a little bit during the pandemic. And Jeff Tweedy from Wilco wrote an amazing book, How to Write One Song. And most of his exercises are very similar to what you said, but just for songwriting. Mm. So just this idea of, hey, just play some chords and like mumble some stuff. See if some words come out. Mm -hmm. And just allowing your brain to relax and like doing those processes is really fascinating. Just the parallels between writing a good song mm -hmm. or writing a bad song. Sure. Which there's like a famous quote, like, how do you write a good song? It's a thousand bad ones. Yeah, right on. It's what you're saying on the ideation front is you're just putting in reps. Yeah. And maybe one of those things ends up being great. Maybe one of your ideas as you're falling asleep and you jump yeah. down yeah. becomes the thing. Before he wrote that book, though, how much time did you spend wondering what an American aquarium drinker is? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I was Amazing curious. Lyric. Amazing yeah. lyric. You know, on the wall of Matchbox, we have a quote, and it is rather than no because, yes, if. And this was, it's quoted by, boy, I forget his name right now. Buzz. His, his nickname was Buzz. He was one of the 12, <laughs> the 12 men of Disney. And Buzz Lightyear's named after him, actually. I can't remember his real name, though, oh, but his cool. nickname was Buzz. And rather than no, because yes, if. And to me, what that means is you can listen to a pitch and you can think, ah, no way that's going to work because of this and this and this. Or you can hear a pitch, you can put in exactly the same amount of energy, and instead you can say, yes, that's an amazing idea. If only you were to do this and this. And the only difference is you're that's choosing. Awesome. To it, yeah, it's that's improv, right? It's so, <laughs> yeah, totally. it's, that's so 100% true. I was just up in Calgary and the, the keynote speaker was talking about that concept and he actually did it live in the audience with some mm -hmm. just random idea they would mm -hmm. start with. And he'd say, okay, now you're going to say no and because, no because. Mm -hmm. And it would just go down this nasty, dark hole, whatever. And then just some other random idea. And it was, okay, now yeah. you're going to be yes if. Yep. And just the paradigm shift, you could just see it happening in real time. It was insane. That's awesome. That's going on our wall. That's great. I <laughs> yeah. love that. I mean, we have a so can much. of spray paint, so you can do it right now. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, and that's where those two worlds like connect, right, that we were just talking about. There's this creative, taking reps, trying things, and it's very akin to that space when you're starting something where you feel blind, and you don't know if you're blind because you're on your way to the dark or you're blind because you're on your way to the light. You're just blind in that moment. And so being able to hang in there thinking, yes, if, let's keep working, let's keep hanging in there. And that's ultimately where I think a community can be really valuable. Are you laughing at my ancient Greek philosophy? No, I've just been, I've been the person in the room where you're like, let's, it's, we're not giving up yet. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, it's impossible. No, and I, I just think, and in, in, in general for creative communities or innovative communities, like this is why it's valuable. Because when you're there in the dark, it's so easy to give up on those hard days. And you have a lot more hard days than good days. Let's be honest. I've never done the math, but it's got like to be sometimes the same day. Don't do the math. Yeah, don't do the math. Usually is the same day. And so when you're with other people that are in that same stage and they're also in the dark, they can, it's basically just to hang in there. Just hang in there a little bit longer, right? Take some more reps. I'll help you out, right? Let's go have some coffee. Let's go for a walk. Let's take some more reps together. And that's why communities create fertile opportunities for innovation. And that's not true for individual spaces like Matchbox or like any other co-working. It's true for the state as we yeah. help each other with those things. 
I just looked at the time and it has flown by. We only have time left for the lightning round. No way. Will, will you both do the lightning round? I don't know what it is, but I guess we'll give it a shot. All right. It's only three yes, questions. If. Yes, if. Yes, I know. <laughs> I'm glad you beat me to it. It's only it. three questions. You want to do, lead the lightning round? You got round? it, baby. You got it. All right. So it's three, three questions. There are no wrong answers. First thing that comes to your mind. We're going to oh treat gosh. this as a creativity exercise. Amanda, you're going to go first on this first question. Outside of the amazing entrepreneurial ecosystem, what is Indiana known for? Aw, kindness. Great answer. Jason? Uh, yeah, I would say something really similar. It's a place where if you ask somebody for some help or advice, you almost always will get it. And that is more rare than people in the Midwest realize. Next question. You're going to go first on this one, Jason. What is a hidden gem in Indiana? Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, I would say this, this stick to right? This attitude, I think, of like we were just talking about, giving it a shot. It doesn't get enough credit, but I think is really valuable. I love that. Is there a place or a location or a store or something that you like to do or was just blown away by in Indiana? Man, geez. There's all kinds of cool stuff. I would say some of the towns that are going through transition, right? So someplace like Valpo or where it's like starting to get cool and cultural and there's like stuff you just doesn't feel like Indiana. I love going to those little spots and exploring. Heck yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Great one. What about you, Amanda? What is uh, a the, hidden gem? the first thing I thought of, I have a sister who lives in Chesterton and I love, I, that's like not a part of the state I spent a lot of time in growing up in Indiana. And is that technically like, the region? I think so, yeah. Okay. It's just, you're basically, you got like beach towns hiding up there. And yeah. Do you remember a place called the Spa? No. It was like old school. My great, like great uncle or something used to own this thing called the spa. Another story. So. In Chesterton? <laughs> Tangent, uh -huh. Chesterton. I think my brother-in-law has talked about that place. He really? grew up in Chesterton. Yeah. 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 I'll I ask to hear about this place. Okay. This one to you, Amanda. Yeah. Who is someone that we need to keep on our radar? Someone who is doing big things. Oh, that's a hard one. Wait, you first. No, Jeez. that's not the rules. <laughs> Got to play by the rules. Oh, I hate rules. No wrong answers. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I'm not going to name a person. I'm going to, I'm going to cop out of this one and not name a person. I think what I'm getting to do uh, this year specifically is like I've been at Matchbox for eight years and I've been able to get into the region, like the greater Lafayette region over the last year. And there, so there are more people doing cool things that we need to keep on our radar than there are not. Right. So and we just, just don't always see about it. Yeah. Just drive 30 minutes in any direction. You'll find people. And I guess I, I actually was thinking something similar, but I would say um, some of the underserved groups, I think, are slowly starting to get a little bit more attention and a little bit more support. And it could be socioeconomically or gender or race or whatever it might be. And it's slow, but Indiana does feel like it's trying and it's exciting to see some of that stuff happening. Those, I think, are the people to watch. They've always been brilliant and always been capable, but the risk feels too high because of social cultural pressures to be an entrepreneur. And if we create an environment that gives them that safety, then I think we're going to see a lot of new growth come. Totally agree. So much untapped potential. Thank you both so much for coming yeah, and sharing you. part it's of your amazing. story. We're going to have to have you back and have part two of this because there's so much more to uncover. And maybe, maybe we do a road trip on season I like it. Season yeah, that'd be fun. Done. That'd be great. Bring Thanks, your guys. lights. Bring your big lights. Yeah, we'll bring the big <laughs> lights. Thank you both. This yeah, was awesome. Right on. Thank, Thank you, guys. guys. Appreciate it. This has been Get In, a powder kick production in partnership with Elevate Ventures. And we want to hear from you. If you have suggestions for our guest or segment, reach out to Matt or Nate on LinkedIn or on email. To discover top tier tech companies outside of Silicon Valley in hubs like Indiana, check out our newsletter at powderkeg.com newsletter. And to apply for membership to the powder keg executive community, 
check out powderkeg.com slash premium. We'll catch you next time and next week as we continue to help the world get in. Since you just listened to this podcast, you might be thinking about starting one for your company. Lucky for you, our partners over at Casted have you covered. Casted is the first and only podcast and video marketing platform made specifically for B2B brands. I love this about them. The platform makes it possible to publish, syndicate, amplify, and measure the value of your podcast and video content. In fact, we use it for our podcast here at Powder Keg. And if you're a startup, you should listen up because Casted for Startups is definitely for you. They are offering exclusive deep discounts of up to 82% off retail price for qualifying startups. Connect with Casted at casted.us slash powderkeg.